Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to Best to the Nest, the podcast hosted by me, Elizabeth Reese, and you, Marjorie Bunnett. Marjorie Bunnett. Even sounds slurry this morning, doesn't it? It's <laughs> It's been a morning. Oh, it's been a morning. And what a wonderful way to start the day when we are talking about morning chaos and how to get your day under control. Doesn't it seem like we manifested it? It totally does. We it totally manifested does. chaos so that we could be in the right mind frame to talk about it. I overbooked myself a little bit this week. I'm not going to lie. Um, I had a I had a very early uh, sp- corporate speaking gig. I also then um, signed up to do two fill-in days of morning radio. Morning radio, uh, give us the hours. So five thirty to nine. Yeah. yeah. Early morning radio, that's what we call it. Very early morning radio. And then continuing on with my regular day, which was the regular TV show in the afternoon. I happened to have an on-location TV show yesterday, so I was driving across town. It was just kind of chaos. And then this morning, of course, it all culminates as we're going to be discussing mornings in my husband saying to me as I'm on the radio and he's supposed to take the kids, I have a flat tire. That's what he said. He he had a flat tire. So it was troubleshooting. Okay, I'm going to go take the kids so that you can stay here and deal with a flat tire and I still have a car and the whole rigmarole. But I made it on time. The only thing I haven't had so far is coffee. That's all you've had is coffee this no, morning? No, I haven't even had you coffee. You haven't even had coffee. Oh my goodness. I had a cup of tea and like a sad <laughs> little bowl of Cheerios, which never happens to me. It was the only thing I could wolf down in between the breaks. Yeah, it's just uh, I was watching your day um, on Instagram. And so that's how I can guide like, okay, <laughs> should I text her now? Should I wait now? Because I was just watching the whole day as it was progressing. I'm like, this is insane. This is insane. And then of course this morning you know i i have a little bit of a weird morning when i do these podcasts i don't have a car so you know that about me i know i don't have a car it's so cool i choose not to have a car i've sort of lived my life and i i moved to a place where i didn't need one and i work for arizona state university um i live in tempe i work in downtown phoenix they have an express shuttle that um, employees can use and students can use, and it's wonderful. So I take that in the morning to work, but I have no way to get where I'm broadcasting from now. <laughs> and so I go down to work. I pick up. I'm part of uh, Enterprise Car Share. I pick up a car downtown, and then I drive here, which works pretty well. That's a this, production, though. It is a little bit of a production, but it's fine. It is no problem, except on a morning when I forget my headphones. <laughs> Which, of course, was this morning. So I've already been in Tempe, (laughs) in downtown Phoenix, back to Tempe to get my headphones, and then back to Phoenix. And here we are. Morning chaos. Morning Morning chaos. chaos. Yes. Okay, so you know, if you listen to Best to the Nest 101, you got the rundown of what this podcast is about. Marjorie and I are really on a mission and on a journey here to try to make our homes the best place that they can be so that when you go out into the world... You are happy and healthy and calm, and calm. which is the opposite calm. of how we're both feeling calm. right now. So Listen, that's we've got to be calm. We got to be calm. That's why we stress that it's a journey. This is more like a let's all walk together. We're not like leading yes. this race. No, no. Right today, this morning, mm, close to last. <laughs> Although we're here, 
So I think that moves us to the middle. <laughs> that is absolutely true. And I just want to say, before we get to our first guest, our very first guest on Best to the Nest, a big thank you to all of you who have listened so far and yeah. reached out via social media, because Marjorie and I did a radio show together for several years at My Talk 1071 in the Twin Cities. We loved having conversations both on the air and off the air. This podcast is essentially the conversations that we would have off the air that you didn't get to hear if you listened to our radio show. And right. so many people have reached out and said, I missed hearing your voices together. Oh, I missed you. the conversation and it just warmed my heart and it made me so, so happy. And it made me in the midst of a very hectic week, just so look forward to this time that we were going to have together. I love that. I love that so much because I really have missed talking to you. I've missed talking to all of the people that were part of the MyTalk family when we are on MyTalk 1071. It's a radio station in uh, the Twin Cities. And so this is just as much a joy. It's such a joy for us. It is such a joy for us. It is so much fun. Okay, well, we're going to talk about mornings today. And we're also going to talk about supporting other women and really looking for opportunities to support women and support moms and support people that you maybe see a little bit of yourself in. Right. I think that's a really easy way to get started with that. When you can see someone maybe going through something that you've been through, to reach out with empathy and reach out with your perspective and just reach out with some open arms and some support. And so our very first guest on Best to the Met Nest, what is this called again, Marjorie? Best to the Mest. Shoot, best I need some coffee. Is You know what? It's Best to the Mess this morning. <laughs> it's, a, it's a mess. It's a messy nest. <laughs> <laughs> our uh, our first guest is Alice Soyford. Okay, Marjorie, you and Alice have never met, have you? No. You've no, never but met. I feel, but I feel like I have met her I, through her blog. I think so, too. So Alice Soyford is a blogger. She writes a blog called Dining with Alice. She's a fabulous writer. A lot of her pieces on parenting and motherhood have gotten picked up by things like the Huffington Post and Scary Mommy. She also happens to be a regular cooking contributor on Twin Cities Live. We found Alice, oh my gosh, probably like eight years ago when we did a Twin Cities City's live kitchen star competition and Alice won. And she's been coming in and cooking on our show ever since. I didn't know that was the history. That's that awesome. was it. That was how we met Alice. And then um, we ended up, Alice and I just really connecting. And so Alice and I cook together regularly on the show and um, and then see each other and just, I just adore her. So I'm so happy that Alice is joining us on Best to the Nest. Welcome, Alice. Good morning, Alice. Hi. Thank you. Oh, we're so happy that you're here. How was your morning as we talked about our morning chaos? <laughs> well, it's like 10 below here in Minnesota. So oh. we have to, you know, in all the shuffle of everything we do in the morning, it's getting all the winter gear on and making yeah. sure we make the bus on time. But we did it. So it that's went a well whole kids- new level of chaos so. when you're talking about Minnesota weather or anybody that's in the Midwest <laughs> where it's cold because it's, you know, getting your kids out the door. It's uh, 20 extra pieces of clothing that you have to worry about <laughs> and yeah. match. You need two gloves. <laughs> You know, you need all those things. Exactly. It is so true. Okay, so Alice, you are a, a wife, a mother, you're working, you have two little ones. Tell us about your kids. Yeah, so I have two kids. Um, Stella is in third grade, and she's oh. nine, and then Wes is in kindergarten, and he's six. Oh. And um, I work outside the home. I work um, for our local school district, and... Um, I uh, work four days a week and then outside the home. And then I do have my um, my business of running Dining with Alice and being a, a contributing writer to different websites. Um, and I'm married and my husband's name is Will. And he always says if he um, if he had a blog, it would be called Dishwashing. <laughs> <laughs> 
mess that I create in our kitchen cooking all the time. Isn't that the truth? Well, Alice, um, you know, before we get into the mornings, because there are a couple of uh, pieces that Alice has written that I want to talk about, we'll get to taking the chaos out of weekday mornings and we'll get you some really tangible ways that Alice has found that can help make your mornings better. And I think mornings are so important when it comes to making sure that your house feels settled and happy and that everyone feels like home is a good space. I mean, don't you think that if you screw up mornings? That you have to feel good when you leave everybody sort of behind for the day. Yeah. So I think uh, mm-hmm. it's a really important conversation, but we're, we're going to get there in a minute. Alice, we're so excited that you're here. And Alice has always been that person for me that uh, even though we don't see each other every day or like text each other every day or go to happy hours because we don't have time because we have tiny children. And Alice moved out to the suburbs. Alice, sorry. I'm outing you. <laughs> it's, your, it's all your fault, Alice. <laughs> but Alice seems to be that person that gives me... Like a little message or a little boost when I didn't even know I needed. I think this is what's so beautiful about people who love to write because Alice is a writer and Alice, you're so observant and you can tell when people are going through different things. And I'm sure that I'm not the only person who has told you that you are extremely thoughtful and there when they needed you. Right. I mean, people tell you that, Alice. I really appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) You are welcome. I hear that I'm a good listener and that and, and I try and be there for people. That is absolutely true. So, Alice, um, when when after I got married, uh, my husband and I decided that we wanted to have a baby. We go ahead and, you know, try. Try. <laughs> you all can. We'll leave that to your imagination. Oh, isn't that funny when people say we're trying? I mean, it just means you're having a lot of sex, right? Okay. Everyone gets that. You know, just in that moment, Elizabeth, I didn't want to go there. <laughs> And then you paused right in that moment. It's okay. Okay, now I'm visualizing. So here we are. So here we are. Sorry, everybody. So So um, you're trying. You're having lots of sex. And and we get pregnant, which is so exciting and so wonderful. And we were thrilled and scared and the whole deal. And... um, It kind of came at a time when things were really tumultuous at work. So that was a little bit of an added layer of fear and uncertainty. And then uh, what happened was I I lost that pregnancy. So I started spotting, called the doctor, went in, and Jay and I found out that sadly um, we'd lost that baby that we still still to this day refer to as the blueberry because we were following our little app and the baby would have been the size of a blueberry when we lost the baby. Sweet blueberry. Sweet little blueberry. Yeah, but a little bigger than a pea. Thank you, Marjorie. Yes. <laughs> and um, and so what happened was I took a day off at a time that I never, ever take days off. So in television, February is a ratings period. We're never allowed to take days off during February. And so I took an unexpected day off because I was at the doctor and, and dealing with this miscarriage. And I came back to work the next day. And Alice was on Twin Cities Live the next day, and she was, um, you were doing some sort of cooking segment, Alice, I'm sure, making something delicious. I'm sure. And let's just, let's just note what you just said there, and went back to work the next and day. And went back to work the next day. Perhaps two days would have been a good idea. Perhaps. Maybe a couple more. And, maybe and, through the weekend. And to give my workplace a lot of credit, they said, are you sure? And of you course can you take said, yes, another day. And we, you were like, yes, I am. And I said, I'm sure. I'm going back, yeah. right? I know. So I went to work. And actually, you know, it turned out to be just what I needed because I work with a really a group of really supportive people. I ended up telling them what had happened. Right. I felt very supported and very loved. And then Alice showed up. Alice said to me, hey, why weren't you here yesterday? Which I don't, I mean, that was very observant. Why weren't you on the show? And she said something to, I said, well, I was out and I wasn't feeling well. And she kind of had that little look in her eye, like, are you pregnant? Are you not feeling well because you're pregnant? Right. And I said to her, I had, you know, I had a miscarriage. 
And I remember Alice and I kind of going off to the side of the studio and talking about it. And Alice said, that happened to me too. And it was just like in that moment when you just needed to hear someone who'd been through the exact same experience. And then Alice, how funny that you went on, I went on to have a girl and then a boy, just like you. Mm-hmm. And just like you. And I remember you saying to me, you are going like this you will not feel completely, you know, you just not not that you would ever feel completely healed, but you won't feel ready to move forward until you're holding your baby in your arms. And when that happens, you will feel not so empty about this right now. And it was just so like needed and helpful and supportive. And I could cry just talking about it. Aww. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. How did you get through it? Was there somebody special who talked to you when you had a miscarriage? Not really. And I guess that's why I'm, I'm getting, it's hard for me to talk about <laughs> I know. it. I guess we have to truth tell to each other. Absolutely. And that's how we get through hard things. You know, and here uh, it is. We've got two women crying, <laughs> um, which is, but this is, I mean, this is what um, hopefully talking about it, or if there's anybody out there that's going through a miscarriage or just has had one, we all feel your pain. And I had one when I was 24 with my first. Look at that. See? And it was an interesting, uh, all of our voices are going to crack I know. because it still is such a sad thing to me, although it turned out to be such a blessing. And when you talk about a special person being in your life in just the right moment, I was really young and I was really, Elizabeth, you know me, I'm really headstrong. Yeah. I figure I'm going to get what I want. If I work hard, I can do it. Everything's within my control. And honestly, at 24, it was one of the first moments where I realized, and I had, I was taking, I think I was taking for granted the idea of what it was going to be to mean to be a mother because I used to say to my husband you know I'm going to have this baby I'm going to be back and work in two days and everything's you know it was just like two days I'm exaggerating but I mean it was just like it was just going to be on my schedule because that's kind of how I felt like I, I got to live mm-hmm. and when I miscarried the depth of the grief was so surprising to me mm-hmm. because I realized how much I wanted that baby and I remember I was a news producer and so I had to tell people at work and I had already told everybody because it was past three months. Yeah. And um, I'll never forget the sweetest person. Talk about, you know, mom supporting moms. How about sports guys supporting moms? <laughs> was our, our, our six and ten um, sportscaster, our main anchor. And he was so sweet to me. I'll never forget it. The day after, everybody at work sort of knew because I was home. And I went to the door to answer the door. It was like just the day after. And there was the biggest bouquet of flowers you could ever imagine. He like filled my house with flowers. And that's that's all. I mean, I don't think he knew what to say to me. (laughs) But it was just the most loving thing of acknowledging, I know you're in pain. Yeah. And there's a world out here that's waiting for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that sharing it is a good thing because the people that love you or the people that want to make you feel better, just they, they just appear. I think you're totally right. And Alice went on to write a piece that landed on Scary Mommy about um, why you regretted keeping your miscarriage a secret. I mean, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you think about when you talk about that now, Alice? Well, I, I, I do regret keeping it a secret and I, I felt really alone and I didn't talk to a lot of people about it. And, um, and Marjorie, I really resonate with some of what you were saying with like, I'm, I'm a person who feels like I control a lot of my life. Mm-hmm. And I felt like this was a big spin out of control for me and that 
Um, and this is, you know, I really wanted to have a baby and, and this wasn't happening anymore. And I, um, I minimized my grief. Well, you know, surely other people have it worse. Surely people were further along in their pregnancy. Um, I didn't give space for myself to be sad and I just bounced right back. I went to work. I went to, it was a big birthday time. Like, so I had a big birthday celebration and I went to it and I just didn't give space for myself, but but I, I, I just remember just feeling so alone and that I didn't feel like anyone else was feeling what I possibly was feeling. And right. a lot of the things I write about, I write about because um, I'm not hearing it in other places. And so I just oh, put it out there. Yeah. And I hear from a lot of people like, oh, I'm so glad you shared that because that's how I felt too. And and I think for me with this, and, and I just, I totally remember that conversation and with Elizabeth and it was in my intention was that is that I did not want her to feel the feelings of loneliness and and also I, I also wanted her to know the reality of the expectation of the grief that was ahead of her yeah, and that it, right. it wouldn't just go away in a week mm-hmm, and right. when she did get pregnant again it would keep surfacing I mean for me it surfaced every doctor's appointment yep. it was still grieving I was still scared even my next pregnancy I mean, there, I remember like every time they had put the Doppler on my belly, I would start to cry and oh, yeah. like, you know, is this the end for this pregnancy? And, um, you know, I had, I had great medical care. One of my, my doctors during, um, my son, I mean that it happened quite a few times and I joked I had my most ultrasounds with my son because I, I would get upset and she'd be like, Oh, it's a great day to go see baby. Let's, let's go. Do that really helped me. Yeah, it's it is. Um, I think you said something that I think is really important for women to think about and to sort of internalize is from the moment you find out that you're pregnant, you feel like you're a mom. Yeah, that's your baby. And so it's your baby. And so it doesn't like to say, oh, I didn't feel like I should grieve because I wasn't as far along as other people. It's the moment you become a mom mm-hmm. is when you because in that moment, that's the moment you find out you're pregnant. That's when you feel like, oh, my goodness, I have to protect this. I have to take care of this. I have it's mm-hmm. you know, that's the moment. So that's what it's all about. It's that mix of you know, expectation and the beginning to dream and the beginning to feel that responsibility, all of those floods of emotions and hormones and all of those things start, you know, when, you know, the moment you're pregnant. And so I think it's not about how long you carry it or how long, it's just a fundamental grief that I think mm-hmm. is okay and, and not only okay, is essential to talk about. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, you have to talk about it. And I hope that that moment for me, Alice, with you, I mean, giving me like a little bit of the idea of the longevity was so important, but also <laughs> that connection and how much that meant to me. I mean, I don't, you don't even know this, but my, my best friend miscarried her first pregnancy several months after that. And mm-hmm. I thought to, I remember thinking like talking to her so much and and talking saying some of the same words that you said to me to her and saying um, essentially I thought if I had to go through that in order to make it just a little bit easier for my best friend I'm happy I had to do that oh, that's, that's because I just wanted it to be not as hard for her mm-hmm. and, and Alice to your point about you know when you have when when you when when you finally have a baby in your arms the pain doesn't go away but what does happen at least for me i mean i think everybody's experience is different is you know my older son is is uh 28 27 20 i can't even remember in this moment <laughs> um he's in his 20s and when he was in my arms i felt like i felt so much gratitude 
to my first baby, to my okay. first pregnancy, because I felt like I am going to, it informed, it informed everything about how I became a mother after that, because mm-hmm. I really couldn't take it for granted. Yeah. I couldn't take for granted that I was so lucky to have this baby in my arms. Um, I have three older sisters and all of us had either miscarriages or trouble getting pregnant. So within mm-hmm. our family, there was just this huge gratitude for every baby that came along. And mm-hmm. so in, in hindsight, I am I am grateful for that pain and I was grateful for that moment. And quite frankly, you know, in the spin of the universe, my older son Gar and my younger son Campbell, the two the two boys that I have raised, would not be here but for that. Right. So it's 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 a way to, to sort of contextualize it and sort of and deal with that grief when the, when they were younger but it's it is mm-hmm. uh, it's so important i think for women to know that as much as you can talk about it and to to have people sort of hold your hand it's an important thing alice yeah. you were there in that moment i mean that was a big that was a big moment for me so thank you for that and if you i mean just i think that's what so this is just such an example of looking for those opportunities to connect mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. other moms who again you or other women i mean in just in general i think having those opportunities to connect and to say, how can I, you know, just say the thing that I wish that I would have heard instead of not talking about it at all is just so, so important. And it was, um, I mean, that was a real pivotal thing. And then you get these babies, hopefully, and and to anybody dealing with infertility, I mean, what a struggle and just the constant stress and disappointment. I know, Alice, you talked about being nervous throughout your pregnancy. When I was pregnant with Bernie, I would not take a pregnancy test until I was one day past the day that I miscarried. It was eight weeks, six days before I would take the pregnancy test. And my husband was like, you are pregnant. He's like, you are pregnant. This is happening. You are pregnant. He's like, you have had a late you've been late two times in your whole life this time and the last time you are pregnant and I was like I don't know I don't know I don't know. I had like this mental block. And then as soon as it hit eight weeks, six days, it was like the cloud lifted. And I just went to the drugstore, bought a pregnancy test, took it and was like, here we go. And then then we have all these babies. (laughs) And then what happens? (laughs) Then what happens? Then we move on um, to having those babies every day and having this household (laughs) full of chaos. I know. And it is. I mean, it is definitely, I think, helpful to always to remember and to talk through that story of the journey that. That it took to become pregnant when you're in the throes of it because some yes. days are better than others yes that's and true. um and we're going to shift a little bit to talk about these about these mornings. Marjorie and I touched on the chaos of our morning earlier. So did Alice. Alice, when you when you think about ways that you have kind of instituted getting your mornings under control. Well, first, let's back up. What does a morning mean to you? I mean, how important is it to have a great morning at your house? Well, I, I guess I, I would just back up just even a little bit and say, I think that being vulnerable in motherhood is the biggest way for us to make connections with each other. And I think that means talking about really hard things like um, miscarriages. It also means talking about mistakes and things that we're struggling with. And I think that, you know, morning chaos is definitely one of those things. Um, But I think to your question about like, you know, a good morning, I mean, it sets the tone for you if you work outside the home, sets the rest of your day. I know I always think about like, you know, how do my kids, you know, go to school? Like if we have a really bad morning, that really just eats me up inside to think about 
that we left on on bad terms or that I I, I wasn't at my best. Like, I think about that a lot. Like, am I giving my best to my kids? And it's hard because, like, then I, and then I'll, what I'll think about is, you know, the irony of it is, like, if when the days that we do have a really bad morning, you know, I'll think to myself, you know, all day at work, I'm like, okay, we're going to, we're just going to, like, the minute I see them, we are going to have some <laughs> great moments. And, and then, you know, sometimes it doesn't happen that way. And we're shuffling and we're, you know, struggling over different things. And, you know, but I, I mean... Really, there, there's just there's just not perfection in parenting and in motherhood, and I and I think like for us, we have to be vulnerable and have those conversations. That there there are some big challenges, especially in mornings, but there are things that we can control, and there are things that we can do so that you know we do leave our homes um, and go to work with you know hearts feeling good and and our kids ready ready to learn and um and that we can connect back up and it doesn't have to be perfect but again i think there there's you know some things that that are in our power to control and that we can do better on too you're absolutely right and i think that's key is that i think morning and avoiding sort of morning chaos or at least having a sense of humor in the midst of it is mm-hmm. is so key because like you said it is the one thing you control can control it's the one thing that sets everybody's day off just right and again it's not about perfection but it's I think it's about intention and I think those are some of the things that um, you wrote a wonderful blog about it about you deciding that you wanted to have peaceful calm mornings that was with intention. We don't have to have chaos in the morning. And so I think it's interesting some of the things, if you want to talk about some of the things that you do with your family to make sure that you guys get out the door as best you can every morning in a calm and peaceful way. Yeah. I, so, I th- you know, I think about like whenever you get, you know, whenever you're worrying, like when you worry about things or, or when you're upset about things, I always like whether it's with my kids or, or with my husband, I always like I stop and I pull back and I say like, OK, what are the things that we can control? Yeah. Right. situation that's like my always my go-to like what can we control you know we we can't always we have to have that expectation we can't always have you know these common perfect mornings and our bus driver he would tell you that two weeks ago I went I I was so late I drove my kids down <laughs> two blocks to the bus stop honked <laughs> the horn flew the doors open got my kids on the bus so it's it's not always as I hope, but <laughs> the you know I would say you know I I would say there's a few things. So the first I would say is talk about and set your expectations. So I do talk to my kids about um, about how I hope the morning will go and how and we talk about like we have to you know I can't just say that what my expectations are once we talk about it a lot. One yes. of the, our big things here <laughs> is they can't eat breakfast until they're dressed for school. That has been the biggest thing that has I, saved me. Yes. Like, I, I just say, like, they'll come down, they'll be sitting at the, the kitchen stools here, and I'll say, nope, back upstairs, you got to be ready for school, because we all know having kids, like, kids can make mealtime last as long as possible. And Oh, right, this was know, happening to me, Alice, too, and I was, then the amount of times, like, the battle of getting dressed after was miserable. Mm-hmm. So the rule is, you can't, no breakfast till you're dressed. Yeah, close yeah, on for breakfast. Ready. Okay, yeah. I love that. I think that the, bre- the breakfast is out in the morning, like, sitting here waiting for them but they're not to sit down until until they have their clothes on um it's it's also like you know part of it is like i set the expectation of of what they need to have organized and get ready i i taught i my husband and i usually sunday we set the schedule so that i think the worst when when we have like an unexpected scheduling thing like oh we're both supposed to be at a meeting at eight o'clock yeah today so really working through our schedule a lot and that means like and i, and I think with all of these things it's all about planning mm-hmm. yeah and if you, t- I always say, because I do a lot of like 
meal prep and freezer planning, meal prep planning and that kind of stuff. It takes time on the front end like to, to do all of that work, right? It takes time to sit down. It takes time to write out your meal, but you get that extra time later. So if you're in a different way, you know, so you're kind of buying time in the future, I think. Yeah, but, you're buying time and you're buying like a feeling of calm, really. Yeah. That you've got this. Because you get it when you, if you're preparing in advance, you're calm generally while you're doing the advance planning and then you're calm on the execution end versus yeah. the catch up is is chaos and you're just so much more likely to snap. Well, what yeah. I love, too, is that idea of um, lunch prep on the weekends. Mm-hmm. I just think that's brilliant that you talk about in your blog, because I think it, it goes back to what you're saying is if you're organized, it just makes everything that much easier. You shouldn't be trying to make the break, you know, the lunches in the morning where you've already sort of, you know, the, the clock is already ticking. So that's what I would say is like one of my my next tips, I would say meal and lunch prep. And like, how does that have to do with um, your mornings? But I, I usually pack it if not all, like half of the lunches on Sundays or sometime on the weekend because my kids take cold lunch. And so, that, I mean, I found if I have to do it that morning, it's, it, it's, it's just a trigger for chaos for mm-hmm. me. And so I have to recognize that. And so I just, I bought a bunch of meal containers and I do it ahead of time or the kids help me. Um, I have a meal board in my kitchen. So I write out everything. They like to look at it and they look right. and see what I mean, even simple as breakfast, like I write when the kids are eating yogurt on the board. It's so good. If my oh, significant other can't go down and get the yogurt, like it's just, it takes, sometimes when you're just, you, you haven't had enough coffee or your mind's not ready for the day, <laughs> it's easy to just look at that board. Okay, today we're having toast or what, it, it doesn't have to be fancy, like whatever. Um, the, the next thing I would say is, um, you know, getting things ready the night before, or even um, having the kids get it ready, like my my youngest is in kindergarten he can get his snow pants boots he can make sure he has his take-home folder in his backpack he can put his lunch bag in there he can do all that stuff and get that ready um i have a rule with my kids that i'll bring one forgotten item to school once a year so <laughs> i'll tell you what that has worked it works and i'll say you get you get one pass it's like you know the free it's like the homework pass that teachers right. for sure that's great I'll give you one pass and yeah. so you know, if they forget their lunch, I can I can always have them take hot lunch. But I'm talking about like, you know, their media book or, right. you know, if they have um, their boots, like my both my kids have worn boots for the day because they like, forgot they, their shoes. They, they pretty redeemed their boot pass for the year. But I, th- I think that's part of like giving them some ownership of getting their stuff ready. Oh. But um, the other thing, too, like I I really struggle when my husband travels and I'm doing everything like I, it's very hard for me. Um, and I know that about myself. And right. I've, I've had days where I know I have to get out for a meeting and I've had my kids sleep in their school clothes so that they get their fresh clothes on for bed and then they, <laughs> they wake up and we're, we're halfway ready. And then we're and gone. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> back up, back up, back up. Your kids wear their clothes to bed? Not every night, but if I'm like, but if I, I'm, ta- I'm talking about like if my husband right. is trapped and I'm alone and I know there's lots of stuff to get that I have used that in the past. I think this is brilliant. Oh I don't want to take all the credit for it. Another mom gave me that tip. So. I think that's super uh, smart when you know you're going to be short. Just well, make it happen. I, I mean, do, How do the kids feel about that? Well, it's not like it happens all the time. No, it's, no, no. But even in the moment, do they think it's kind of funny? Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's kind of like, you know, backwards. 
Right. Oh, they think it's hilarious, I bet. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. And I think you actually, you hit on something which I think is really important because I'm out of caring for people in the morning. Um, uh, Alice, too, my sons both live with me here in Arizona because they're both, well, one just graduated from graduate school and the other one's in graduate school. And so they're they're in school. Obviously, I'm not responsible for their mornings. (laughs) They do whatever. That would be scary if I were. (laughs) But that idea of ownership, Mm -hmm. actually, that came to our family by necessity. Um, Mm -hmm. I started doing the radio show, a radio show with my husband, and our studio was in our house. So I was home broadcasting, but I was not available to them to help them. So they Mm -hmm. were in third and fifth grade, I think, at the time. So, you know, sometimes that's still a struggle for that age is because, you know, whether the, you know, the kids are on the phone or whatever, in those days they weren't. But I mean, I think even if kids are out of sort of that toddler phase, it doesn't mean the mornings actually get easier. You know, when you think your kids are going to be responsible for themselves, it doesn't actually mean that they are. So they were in third and fifth grade. And what was kind of cool is I was in the studio broadcasting. We had a little on-air light, you know, on, on our door at home. So they knew they couldn't come in the studio and ask for anything. I would check on them during commercial breaks, but they were responsible to get themselves ready for school, make themselves, you know, their lunches, you know, make themselves breakfast. And then at 7.50 in the morning, I would leave the radio show and I would drive them to school. So we had very thin margins of, and I had to be back by 8.04 after that commercial break at the top of the hour. So they were pretty thin margins. And the interesting thing about it was they loved it. They Mm -hmm. loved that they were completely independent and they were capable. I mean, they were like eight and Mm -hmm. 10 or 11. They were completely Mm -hmm. capable to feed themselves, you know, to get their own breakfast, to make their own lunch, to get their boots, to get all that stuff ready to go. But I know for a fact that if I hadn't been on the air, I still would have been micromanaging that because I know myself. Yeah, we don't give them enough credit to do things on their own. And, And I think just we had to learn that by necessity. So I would say that to all the moms out there, you know, disconnect a little bit when your kids are when they really are showing that they're self-sufficient because they Mm -hmm. are. They really, Mm -hmm. really are. And you can take that time back for yourself to calm down the morning. But you have to really detach from it and make sure that they know, even if you have to make up an excuse for why you can't help them do something, I think it's worthy because I think they, when they talk about it now because they're adults, those were some of their best bonding moments because they were also taking care of each other. And problem solving. And Yeah, Mm -hmm. so it's cool. I love, um, Alice, another, I think this is so important too, and you write about... um, taking the time to connect with your child and your partner before you leave. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, we've talked a lot about kind of those tangible, logistical things that you can do to make it more calm, to make it easier, to make it more seamless, but having a moment to just connect with each other. I, I especially think, I mean, your kids are, it's important, but I really think this is so important with your partner. My son who's in kindergarten, he has this thing like he does like 10 hugs, which is, which is great sometimes. <laughs> 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 we have to go. Um, but I, it does really set a good tone for leaving. And, and especially if you've had, I think if you're thinking of like, how do you navigate after those bad time, those bad mornings, yeah. like you, you have the power and the control instead when those bad things happen, say, I'm, I should not have yelled at you. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. We had a bad morning. I, I don't want you to go to school like this. I'm, I'm sorry. This, but I would really like you to put on your shoes the first time I ask you, not the fifth time yeah, or whatever, you know, like however that is and that you get to have that hug and you get to say I love you and you get to say like, have a great day at school. I think like sometimes you forget that with your significant other. 100%. Crazy mornings where you are just like zooming everywhere and you know, like, but it is like, I mean, we, we do hug, we hug and kiss every time we say goodbye and, and leave the house, say goodnight. I mean, and it really just, 
it sets a different tone and connection for our family when we can do that. And at night when we, you know, go to bed, it's just, it really connects you back to your family. And, and you remember that your kids forgive you and you forgive your kids and your significant other when there are those chaotic times. Um, and it re, it's, a, it's kind of like the reset button, I think, when you, when you have a bad morning. Okay, so great. here's the question for, for you two moms. So you've had a really bad morning. You know, you've yelled, you've, you know, you were telling them to get their boots on. They wouldn't, you've, you've lost it. Let's just say you've lost it because we've all been there, right? We've all been there. Oh yeah. Okay. So here's the choice because I can remember the days of just literally like shoving them out of the car. Like we're so late. We're so, it's like, just get out. You know, it's just gotta go. There were no 10 hugs. You know, it's just get out, get, no. out, get, out, get out. You're gonna be late. On a really bad morning, do you just say, screw it. We're all going to be late and we're just going to take a moment. And we're going to be together or we're going to stop, you know, somewhere and have a quick little, you know, breakfast together and just have them be late for school. Would you ever do that? Or do you still feel that pressure that, no, they got to be on time? I don't feel that way about them, but my kids aren't in actual school. You know, they're like in daycare and preschool. I feel like that more. I mean, sometimes it's just not an option with me. It's like I've got to go because I've got 10 people waiting on me for a shoot that I'm already late to. Alice knows I show up late to her shoots. I mean, it's (laughs) and it's like, here's what happened. So, Alice, what would your choice? be if you could you know what i i honestly have never thought about that about like oh let's just go for breakfast like i think i'm super strict about about schedule like and run late a lot too but like the other day when when you know we had the doors flying open and i'm honking my horn to get the bus and stuff (laughs) there was was not a beautiful moment where i'm like hey let's go (laughs) right and i think because i and it's the same thing i had to get to a meeting too but i mean i think even in that moment like there was a i love you guys like you know and and that's what i could do but i tend to be more strict about like not missing school so I, I I guess I would just say for me it probably I would just continue to get them to wherever they have to go because I probably right. have to be somewhere too at the same time yeah and therein lies the problem or you know problem that's a big word but I mean that I think that's part of what's difficult about being a mom working in the home being a mom working outside the home is the inflexibility of the schedules yeah yeah that's um, just a hard thing yeah it is it's just hard um you can did I, say something yeah go I, ahead else can I talk a little bit about that too? Um, just because I think that, you know, one of the other things is that I do occasionally, probably once or twice a week, I'll, I'll get up at like 5.30. My kids have to be on the bus at 8.40, so that gives right. me some extra time. But I get up and, and I used to think like that is about the worst I did idea ever. I will yeah. never get <laughs> at like 5.30. But what I've, what I've found is that, give, that it, it gives me some extra time to just kind of find some balance of like my mind and that like I can drink some coffee. Sometimes I'll like, I'll find time for whatever like my passion projects are. So I know like a lot of moms are always like, I don't have time to read or like for me, I'm a writer. So I that's the time I can do the things that really bring me some joy. And even if it's once a week, that's, that's some extra time. Sometimes I find too, like if I'm in the middle of a morning and I check my work email or whatever, or a text comes in, like that's pretty triggering for me. And like, we'll shuffle my morning. And like, then my mind is like on that. So if I can devote that time before my kids are even up to do some of the work stuff that I want to get done, that can really help. But the other thing I was thinking of too, about, you know, Marjorie, how you kind of talk about like, this is, this is the life. And this is kind of what you're when you work outside the home or if you're trying to balance a lot of things, I think there are points too, where you have to ask yourself, like, you know, is this the life that I want to lead? Is this 
the mom that I want to be. For a while, we were having a really hard time in our house. Our kids were in before and after school care um, because of our work schedules. And I decided one year um, during my like contract negotiations, I asked for more of a flexible schedule so I could put my kids on the bus. So that was one step for me um, that I decided we're, we're not going to do the before school care anymore because yeah, right. it's too chaotic and nobody is benefiting from this. And um, and I was able to ask for that and instead of something else or whatever in my for my job. Um, the other thing that I did that has worked well for us is I took a new job this last year and um, took my hours down and work a more flexible schedule that gives me more time to to be at home every morning to do to get my kids on the bus. But it also gives me some other time to do you know, my, my passion project work, um, right. and to be home with my kids more on like off school days. So I, I think so, so many times as moms too, who work outside the home were, were just pushed so hard to like, yeah. you have to, you have to make this much money or you yeah. have to have this position. And I was feeling that. And this last year, I kind of took a step back and said, like, what if I made less money and got something else with my kids, like time yeah. with my kids or what would that look know, like? volunteer in their schools or write more what would that look like and and I think it's hard for us like who are you know people who are always trying to you know just do outstanding things like to to take a step back and like you don't have to be the best at everything and you can just you know take some time and and do something different and I think that's when it when I talk about life change like whatever that might look like in, in your in your home that that you could you know, try it, try and see if that might be something for you too. Well, I think that's a really important point. And it goes back to, I think, you know, we can talk about morning chaos and all the things, but what I, I take away and what I have lived is that big question is what is the kind of mom I want to be? Am I being the mom I want to be? You know, we started this conversation talking about our miscarriages. We all can look at this with great gratitude that we have children So if you look at that with great gratitude, I have children, I have been given children. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift. So in the middle of all of the chaos, of all of the jobs, of all of the work, of all of the striving, somewhere in there, you have to make room for the question, is this the mom I want to be? Is this why I had children? And mm-hmm. I will tell you, sometimes that question will come from your children. Uh, you know, in, in my case, when my older son Gar was five, I was working in a really difficult job um, that required a lot of work after work. It required a lot of thinking. I was a news producer. It required a lot of, it was very intense. And actually, Gar was, I think he was five, and we were just sitting together. You know, it was at the end of a long, another long day. And I would literally leave for work at about very early, and I would get home late. And he looked at me and he said, Mom, do you think you could have the kind of job where I would just see you at some point during the day like I see Dad? Oh, man. And I quit six weeks later. Look at that. And that's the shift. And that's the shift because it's like, he it was so reasonable like (laughs) you would like to see your mother that's a reasonable request and and I think you know I think everybody's gonna find their way there's no wrong way there's no right way for me in that moment I thought sure I can do that I'm gonna figure that out I'm gonna figure that out so it's just it's all all you need to do though is some point ask the question this is great, you guys. Alice, thank you so much. We could talk to you all day. You have to yes, promise us you'll come back to Best to the Nest, okay? Oh, I would love to. Thank you. Oh, we what love you. All right. We'll see you soon, Alice. Thank you so much. What a joy, Marjorie. That was an absolute joy. I mean, it's just fun. We laughed. We cried. 
We did. It was real talk, sister. And I feel calm. I know. I do, too. And again, I have not even had any coffee, and okay, I have been up since 5 o'clock. freaking me out a little bit, <laughs> I gotta say. Oh, you guys, listen, thank you so much for joining in on the conversation. You got to follow us on social media, Best to the Nest. That's what we are on Instagram and Twitter. And um, and we're posting things. We love the interaction. We're loving, we're already getting suggestions of people who want to come on our podcast and want to talk more about this concept, Marjorie. Everybody's welcome. We'll get to y'all. <laughs> Does Just that mean it's a, it's a hit? I don't know. We'll find out. All right, Marjorie, until next week. I love you. Until ya. next week. Love you too.